Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. everybody and thanks for joining me today on invest talk it is tuesday january 8 2019 and we're already under the way for the second week of 2019 and i'm starting to get used to saying 2019 instead of 2018 sometimes it takes a little while to get used to it. i even write down the right year usually it takes me a couple three weeks to get that right so maybe you're with me on that you know i think we all have that kind of problem every time a new year rolls over and I welcome you to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and our daily objective here is to make you an above-average investor, to make you better, to help you achieve that goal. I provide as be- the best information I can. Justin and I try to give you unbiased insights, and we try to do it without prejudice of any kind, okay, or without any favoritism of any one thing or sector. Just looking at the numbers, try to give you straight information. So I invite and request that you ask questions because it's you You drive the show. You drive the direction of the show. And to get through to InvestTalk, you can call right now or anytime this online is always open, 888-99-CHART. So the market opened up, up again today. Have you ever heard of the five, day, the five days of January indicator? Well, that's one of my talking points I'm going to discuss today. So this is four days up so far, for the so far. But it was down that one big day. Remember that big one day? Anyways, after five days, is the market up or down? And that's the indicator. So the Dow was up. Most of them were up this morning. The S&P was up. The Nasdaq was up. The five big tech fang stocks were up. Looked pretty good, and it got stronger during the day. So. Are we out of our correction mode? What do you think? And what is causing this? I, there's, there's a couple things causing this, this little rally. And we're going to talk about those during the show today. Two major things. But is that sustainable? Is that going to be sustainable for us to have a market that can go higher? Yesterday, Amazon surpassed Microsoft as the most valuable company in the world. Notice I didn't talk about Apple in there. Apple was got the first one that made the trillion dollars, but it got beat up pretty good. Now, there are a number of reasons Amazon surpassed Microsoft. And on tomorrow's program, I plan to go through some of the detail on that. So please ask your friends to listen and make sure you listen. We'll talk about it. Smartphones are probably the definitive technological invention of a generation. Isn't that right? Think about cell phones. They are your hand computers, your hand everything. You do everything on your phone. Can you think of anything more innovative in the last, what, 30 years? Tell me. I don't think you can come up with so. But smartphone sales overall are slowing down. The market is saturated. Remember, Apple had a big problem because they said, whoa, we were slowing down in China more than they thought. Well, the whole the whole industry is slowing down. It's saturated. There's the the potential to grow is getting 
difficult, new getting new clients. So you have to rely on now just reselling your phone with little new features. And the upgrades and the new things that are in the phone are incremental. There's nothing dramatic about them. I think what you need is AI, artificial intelligence. I think that's what you need in the phone. You need it to be something you can just talk into and it answers and it's smart. Not Siri. Siri's kind of mm, okay, but I'm talking about real artificial intelligence. I think that's the next thing that's got to happen for a next huge growth spurt of some kind. And are you watching the performance of Netflix stock? Up 16% in the last week. The company has gotten a good grip on their production game. Remember, they, you know, the streaming of the content was their main service, right? But they, now they've been making and distributing content themselves. And it looks like they're getting on top of that. And did you see P&G today? P&G stock has been cut to junk. Went down 10% today. P-G-N-E. P-G-N-E. Are they going to file bankruptcy? Remember, we owned this stock and we got out. And now we're talking about it on the radio. Probably get out because, you know, they're going to be blamed for this new latest fire. Even if they're not at fault, they're going to be blamed for it. It may cost them more money to defend themselves than it's worth. Anyways, there's a lot of stuff out. We talked over the past weeks and months about the slowing Chinese economy. We'll talk about that some more because that's kind of important. So what's going to go on there? I mean, did you see Alibaba, JD.com, and China Mobile? They were up today. And one final item. I want to remind you quickly that I will be in San Jose on January 23rd. I do have space available. It's limited, but I do have some spaces. So if you want to meet with me, now's the time to set up that appointment. You know, you know, any we're gonna we can go over your portfolio, talk about what's gonna happen in 2019, and if I can help you, I'll help you. Now, as you can tell, there's always a lot of news out every day because I talk about it. But let's go ahead and grab our first question of the day on our end time listener line number eight 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 ninety nine chart. I hear you guys always talking about large cap, big cap, and small cap stocks, and I was just wondering what the difference between all three of them were. Thank you. Bye. Sure, we can talk about that. It's easy. Okay, um, there's no official definition. So I'm going to give you a round number. The market capitalization of a company, all it is is the number of shares outstanding times the price of the stock. And that gives you the size of the company. Okay, the number of shares outstanding times the price of the stock. That equals the size of the company. So a small company is a billion dollars. Maybe one to two, maybe three billion. Mid-sized company, three, four, five, six, maybe seven, maybe even eight. So maybe three to eight billion. Anything above eight, nine, ten, anything above that is big cap. Now, you have the extremes. You have mega cap, which are, you know, 50 billion, 80 billion, 100 billion, 200 billion, close to a trillion. Those are mega cap stocks. Then you have... Uh, the micro cap, which are under a billion dollars. Okay. Then you have the penny stocks that are, you know, probably under, under a billion dollars. The penny stocks are under, uh, probably a hundred million. And those you stay away from completely. Okay. Market capitalization. That's what market cap 
means market capitalization, the size of the company, which is nothing more than the current outstanding shares times the price of the stock. That's all it is. These are the size of the company. Uh, what's Microsoft? MSFT, since they're the biggest right now, they're at $789 billion. Mega cap. Mega cap. Um, let's see. Well, I'm trying to think of a small company that, you know, what is Tesla? TSLA is their symbol. Tesla. They're at $57 billion, which is amazing for a company that's not making any money. Right? Hasn't made any money. It might make money in 2019. 47 cents a share for a $335 stock. Way, way overpriced. Huge debt. Anyways, but all car companies have big debt, by the way. So Tesla's not alone in that. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and let me remind you that the Invest Talk radio program and podcast replays provide your daily dose of market news with unbiased commentary. That's from me or Justin. And we have a new offering, Invest Talk Academy. It's an online training class covering a wide variety of financial investment subjects. We try to do it in depth. It's one hour. Thursday, Thursday at nine o'clock is the next class that I'll be given. You can learn more about InvestTalkAcademy.com. InvestTalkAcademy.com. That's where you go. We're headed into a quick one-minute break, and I'm taking your questions now at 888-99-CHART. Steve and Justin are always grateful when you make InvestTalk a part of your daily routine. And their unbiased guidance can be an invaluable aid to your efforts at building a strong portfolio. The phone lines are open. Steve is here and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. What's our main talking point today? The mortgage delinquency rate for major metro areas that suffered a significant housing collapse. I'm sure most of us remember that is almost certainly much higher than widely believed. In other words, they're still having a big problem that's being kind of held under the radar. So I want to try to bring a little light to that. So I'm going to explain why some experts are saying that the housing mortgage crisis is far from over. And we're going to focus on New York because we have more data, New York, the New York area, the New York City area. Okay, some of the other topics we're going to talk about. The, I want to talk about five day, the five days of January indicator. You're going to start hearing about that, you know, or if you haven't already heard about it. There's always these, these typical stats that come out. If this happens now, then the what's going to happen the rest of the year? That always comes out at the beginning of the year, these kind of stats. So we're going to talk about that. Um I want to talk about the stock market investors' ugly truth. This is an opinion piece I found from from Sven Hendrick. And some of the things I want to bring out that he talks about, I think is very, uh, very, something we all should hear. What's his ugly truth that he's talking about? And then I want to discuss why 2019 could be a good year. the, the SP could get up to 3,000 points, but that's only about 2% higher than 
the high point of 2018. But what what, what has to happen for that, that for the market to get better and get up there? I think 2019 is going to be a tough year. I don't know if it'll be as tough as 2018, but I don't think it's going to be an easy year by any means. We'll see. And there's a lot of outside forces that can make it better or make it worse. And that's what I want to focus on. Those are going to be the topics today. Okay. But what, what do you guys want to talk about? I'm open for any of your questions, anything that's interesting to you. And there's no reason to allow any of your financial investment questions to go unanswered after today's program ends. And anytime, night or day, you can call the Invest Talk listener line and submit your question whenever you feel like it. And here's a call that came in earlier, 888-99-CHART. Hello, this is Jeff from Woodland, California. I would like your opinion on CVS, the pharmaceutical firm. We have increased earnings, and things look good for the stock, but it continues to to drop. I was very concerned about what your opinion is on CVS. Thank you. Okay, I think we talked about this a week or so ago. CVS uh, has 9,803 pharmacy and drug stores in 49 states, D.C., Puerto Rico, and Brazil. Uh, they make money. They've always made money. They're growing their sales, but their growth is always in the single digits, 2 3 4%, pretty small. Earnings are going up this year. Uh, the estimate is up eight, to be up 18%. Next year is supposed to be up 9% more. And the stock got crunched like everybody else, went from $80, $81 all the way down to 62 and now it's at 68 So the last two weeks or so, it's been recovering. And just today, it closed above the 20-day moving average. The 200-day moving average is 69.73. You might want to wait for it to close above that before you buy. Uh, 69.73. So it's like $70. When it gets to $70, then maybe you should, you can buy it. Very often you have a spike down, which we had in the market, and then a we're having a V bottom or it comes back up sharply, then it retests that bottom going back down. Very very common. Doesn't always have to happen. Could be a V bottom, but I don't think so. Not this time. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I believe that every investor should determine their individual risk tolerance. As a first step, you can build in your a profitable investment strategy that suits you. And you can quickly calibrate your risk tolerance anytime by using the free online tool at investtalk.com called Riskalyze. It's just a questionnaire. Go to investtalk.com. This is Invest Talk. The KPP Premium Newsletter, distributed to each subscriber's inbox on Fridays, provides a summary of the market week that was, offers a look ahead, and even points out notable stock ideas. You can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. Have you got a question for Steve? He's here, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Amit in San Jose. How are you doing, Amit? Hi, uh, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a question about the current rally. Uh, do you think it's a uh-huh. selling opportunity in short term? This That's a difficult question. This is uh, so far, 
in my personal opinion, it's certainly not a buying opportunity. I wouldn't be. I, I would be very selective in what I would buy, and I would say, I mean, I'm. I would be more on the sell side at this stage. Uh, as I said before, it's very, very common that this we've had a spike down, right? Now we have this whole spike up that there's a retest of that bottom. If I get a retest of the bottom and the market starts up from there, I would feel much more comfortable buying that rally than this rally. Okay? Okay. So I would yeah. probably suggest people if you don't have cash on hand to be to buy later on this would be a good rally to produce a little cash that means selling okay 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 does that answer your question okay thank you very much thank you for the call i appreciate it yeah it's always difficult uh i'm just it's just very uncommon for a market to act the way it's acted then all of a sudden get better now it's better huh January, right, just all now, it's now going to be better. The last week of December and January. Mm, no, no, I, why is it getting better? Well, I, I can, I, I think it's pretty obvious why, and we can, we can go into that. Now, let's go to our main talking point. Why some experts say that the housing and mortgage crisis is far from over. And there was, th- this article was really focusing on the New York housing market, and they were saying that, this is not, this may be very typical of all big cities, not just uh, not just in New York. And the big concern here is, in New York, they have, a, 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 a deli- if you have a delinquency problem in your mortgage, you have to send out notif- notice and let the, let the, uh, the uh, homeowner know that they are now in a delinquency problem. And then letters go out and they keep track of those letters. And those letters, you have to renew them every three years. Meaning, if you haven't foreclosed on them within that three years, you got to send out another delinquency notice letter. So, the big issue he has he this the, the, about this uh, in in New York is since February 2010, mortgage servicers have sent out a total of 1.2 million pre foreclosure delinquency notices. In New York City and Long Island, 1.2 million of them, as required by law. The law changed in 2009. Okay, and 85% of those notices were for delinquencies, first liens, and the remainder were second liens. So first trustees and second trustees. Okay, and then they're saying, okay, now, now they're looking at the most uh, the most of these delinquent owners have not paid for years. For years. How many of the 1.2 million? How about 359,000? 359,000. How many foreclosures have uh, is New York doing now? Uh, um, uh, in, let's see. I, where's that number? I'm, it was so shockingly low. Uh, that, that It was 300... 300 in the last year properties were closed and repossessed each year in New York since from from 2011 so only 300 out of these 1.2 million and and now 300 some thousand more recent numbers only 300 foreclosures a year per year 
that leaves you with hundreds of thousands left. People are living in those homes, not paying payments. So it's it's like hiding the the delinquency and foreclosure problem. And this article goes on to say that this New York is not alone in this situation. So that's pretty disturbing. I, I, I if that is true. That is a ton of properties that are delinquent and not been foreclosed on. And I can't answer you why that would exist. That shouldn't exist. I mean, we should have already, but the housing market recovered and everything, that problem should be behind us. And they're saying in this article that it's not, not behind us. We still have to deal with it and we haven't dealt with it. That's uh, disturbing to me. And how's that going to be worked out? Well, you know, it, it it can be like, it can take years of just being under the radar and slowly work out itself. Or in the next recession, it could exaggerate the problem of the recession. But, you know, why are these people still a delinquent when there's all those avenues for them to get out of being delinquent? Okay, uh, and you can't be that they can't find jobs. <laughs> we have a very strong job market. Don't know. Now, tomorrow on Invest Talk, there are at least four or five key aspects of Amazon.com strategies that really excite investors. How Amazon became the world's most valuable public company. That's going to be the story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. To win, all effective investors use a process. And listeners call InvestTalk every day asking to share our winning process. And they too can win using the right analytical tools. Just what do we use as our everyday go-to research tool? YCharts. It's a cloud-based financial research platform. It is indispensable. YCharts has the powerful tools of a terminal combined with the ease of use of a modern website. We use YCharts every day. YCharts is easy to navigate, visually awesome, and informative. YCharts has filters driven by thousands of metrics, Excel integration, and data visualization to create charts that compare stocks, funds, indices, and more. If you're a serious investor, you'll understand that the precision functionality in YCharts is not free. But YCharts has more horsepower and by far better data and filters compared to a giveaway tools from Yahoo or Google. YCharts is a fraction of the cost of something like Bluebird Terminal. And now our listeners can try YCharts for free. You just heard Steve and Justin endorse YCharts. It's the lightning-fast research, data filter, and charting tool they use every day for their investment portfolios. Think about it. Steve is right. Free software cannot come close to the power, speed, ease of use, and practical functionality of YCharts. And serious investors understand that YCharts can pay for itself with just one or two targeted investment selections. So here's your chance to take advantage of a free trial and a generous YCharts discount. Start by mentioning InvestTalk when you go to YCharts.com. Get serious. Get YCharts. This is Invest Talk, and we're glad you're with us today for one hour of financial news and perspective. 
and your decision-making process can benefit from this practical and unbiased advice, especially if you consult with Steve or Justin. Step up now with your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Steve, podcast listener from Europe. Thank you for the show. I have a question about building a portfolio of individual stocks. So right now I'm in my 40s. I have most of my retirement savings in a tax-deferred account covering broad uh, international market indices. Over the next few years, I'm expecting an influx of cash, about 50,000 each year on a given date. And I'm wondering how to best go about that if I want to build with that a diversified portfolio of individual stocks. I heard you in the past recommend that you should maybe have about 30 positions. Uh, Would it make sense to, let's say, build 10 of those in the first year, then when I get more cash, another 10 in the following year, and another 10 the year after? Or should I try to get to about 30 positions quite quickly and then increase and rebalance them over time if I have more cash available? Thanks. Uh, Looking forward to your answer on the show. That's a very good question. And I'm going to suggest kind of a hybrid of those two. Maybe uh, I don't want you to do 10. That's too small, too small of a group. Maybe do 20. Okay, do 20 with that first 50,000. Spread it out. Try not to buy more than, you know, uh, 5% more, okay? That means you can get all, you know, all 50,000 invested. Then when you get to your next 50,000, that's going to reduce your uh, percentage ownership of the portfolio because now it's 100,000 instead of 50,000. Now you got 50,000 cash. So then you add to your positions, now add to the existing positions where you think it's wise, and then add some more positions. And by a third year, you should be up to your 30, 33, 35 stocks, about 3% each. And you're going to have to just rebalance along the way, which is what you do normally. Try not, I like 3%, no more than 3% in any one stock. I don't want you to have more than 15% or so in any one sector. Make sure you diversify, not only diversify over sectors and stocks, but also market capitalization. If you want, you have to decide what kind of investor you want to be. Do you want to be a a, a dividend investor? You're going to look at bigger cap stocks that are secure in the dividends. Don't just focus on the high dividend. Focus on the reliability of the dividend and the growth of the dividend over years, over the past years, projected out. Good question, though, and congratulations. That's a pretty good chunk of change you're going to get there. Let's go to Rom in New Jersey. How you doing, Rom? I'm good, Steve. How are you? I am very good, and I appreciate your call. I appreciate everything you and Justin do, and Happy New Year, by the way. Thank you. You too. Uh, thank you. Uh, so, Steve, the question that I have for you, uh, so I was a little bit lucky from the fact that I had a decent amount of cash towards the end of last year, and I bought a lot of stocks, which I felt were, you know, okay. got beaten down. Um, and then, post, I mean, I was almost pretty much 100% invested till about uh, going into December, till about Christmas. And then since then, the market's just been going up and up. Uh, and I got a little scared because, uh, you know, uh, Jerome Powell came out and, and, and said good things. Uh, people are optimistic about the trade talks. But anyway, I don't see any, any, any outcome yet, but the market's been going up and I started selling some of the stuff that I bought towards the end of last year. 
And I'm right now in about 15% cash because I'm still worried about what's going to happen to the market this year. I wanted to get a general take from you. Do you think I'm doing the right thing? Do you think I should be more in cash and wait to see how various political and economic things fall in place? Or do you think I'm just being too panicky and I should uh, I should start buying more? I uh, just wanted to get your take on uh, how much you think in cash I should hold at this point in time. Actually, I think you've done a good job. You know, of course, your timing's been almost perfect, which, you know, that's rare, okay? It's rare. But congratulations. It was very good. I don't think, I think you should produce, as the market goes up, produce more cash, Okay, uh, Rom, I, we're up to about between, depending on which program, 25 and 35% right now. And we've been, we've put some of that to work, but not very much. Not very much because a market usually, and when we have a sub to sharp sell off as we had, and then we have the bounce, and you also correctly identified why the bounce. Powell saying, a little bit more calming things about interest rates, and then you got Trump coming out with, "Oh, we got progress growing with uh, going with the China trade deal." Those two things are what's been overhanging the market, raising rates by the Fed and trade tensions with China. That's what's been over, you know, overhanging the market for months now, and the market finally reacted to it. If those things get resolved, okay, the market's probably going to go up more. I'm not thinking go right back up to where it was before. Maybe a little more. But the chances of those two things getting resolved, the, the Fed is not going to raise rates in this next meeting. It may not raise rates this year, but I don't think we're looking at an imminent China agreement. I don't see that happening. So this is going to be a market, uh, Rom, where it's going to be up and down most of the year. We might get lucky and eke out a little game by the year end, but it wouldn't be surprise me if we're pretty much the same place we are today. By year end, but there's going to be activity. There's going to be volatility. So I think you played it right so far, and I wouldn't. I would sell into this rally. I wouldn't be convinced that it's going to go on forever. I would not. I just don't see that happening. We don't have the right fundamentals yet. Rob, appreciate the call. Let's go to Gary in San Jose. How you doing, Gary? Hey, I'm doing great, Steve, and happy New Year to you. Thank you. You too. I hope you have a great one. Yeah, thank you. I hope to have a good one. Um, listen, um, I was, I've been looking at a lot of the automobile stocks, and Tesla and Ford have been up and down and a lot of different problems there. But I was wondering what you thought about Honda. Um, I looked at some of their uh, basics, and, and it, they look pretty good. But I'd like you to kind of take a look at it and see what you think. I, I like Honda. Uh, it's been going down for about a year. I mean, so, you you know, it's been painful for a lot of Honda owners. I mean, from like 37 all the way down to 25. And now it recently, in the recent spike up, it's now at 28.48. So that, it's done quite well. I, I Gary, I think it might have some legs because it's a very low price stock. You're talking about a company that's going to make 319 and uh, 2019 but that's and that's down from from 355 last year so that 10 percent fall in earnings has already been reflected in the stock falling all year long so then next year it's going to be flat three dollars 19 cents but it's a 28 dollars stock okay well what pe is that 
you know, that's like a 9 PE. Well, I think that's fairly reasonable. And the guys, it has a great cash flow. I, 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 you know, are you going to be a long-term owner of it, Gary? Do you want to own it for a long time or just for trying to get a trade out of that? No, as a matter of fact, I'm actually looking for something that I can park the money in for maybe two to three years. And this company looked solid, stable, and it looked like it'll probably grow over the next couple of years. Then I think you're right. I think this would. Uh, if we don't go into recession, this stock is going to be underpriced. If we go into recession, I don't see it falling much below 25 where it was before. I don't. Because it, it gets very inexpensive. Uh, and, you know, I, I just think, it, you know, Justin and I were talking about uh, Apple getting into automobile business. I don't know if you know this, but they've been spending a lot of money exploring this idea. And I thought that maybe Honda would be a great partner for Apple. You know, and if something like that happens, no, oh, man, this, that'd be a great deal. But that's all speculative on my part. Gary, appreciate the question. Thank you for calling. This is Best Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and I hope you're making the right choices with the money in your 401k or wherever you have your money. But your 401k is the primary engine of your retirement accounts. So unless you have time to study all the fundamentals and trends and do all that kind of work that you need to do, when to buy, what to buy, what sectors to move to, and what sectors to move out of, all that stuff, we have a math-based model that will guide you using your own 401k choices. It's called Active 401k, the Active 401k program at investtalk.com. We still got time to take your questions, your investor questions, so give me a call, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, and Steve Peasley is returning to San Jose to meet with InvestTalk listeners that understand the value of receiving a free portfolio review from Steve. Mark your calendar, Wednesday, January 23rd. If you live anywhere in Northern California, you should reserve your space for a no-cost portfolio review consultation. Steve will analyze your portfolio's strengths and weaknesses so that you can start 2019 with a much better chance of building a comfortable financial future. Register now at investtalk.com. Okay. You've got finance and investment questions. Steve is here, and you can get his unbiased answers. Call now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. So, how can the market go higher? What can be a catalyst? What? And we've touched on it this whole hour. And there's, there's certain headwinds that's facing the market. Three main headwinds I can describe for you. One is the Federal Reserve saying they're going to raise rates this year, but even though they softened that, so that I and I tell you, I've already said that I don't necessarily think they will do it. But that's one. The second is a Chinese and U.S. trade difficulties, whatever you want to call it, war. I don't care what you call it. That's number two. Number three, slowdown of economies worldwide. Those three things are heavy, heavy um, headwinds, okay? Uh, so that's, that's not even talking about 
oil, oil which was a problem last year, this is probably going to be a tailwind this year as the price is probably stabilized and will start to go up a little bit. But it's those, I don't know if we can do anything about the world economy and our economy slowing down. There'd have to be some pretty big changes to change that scenario. I don't see that happening. But I do see the Fed not stop raising rates. I'm, I, I, frankly, it boggles my mind to even consider raising rates when they know not only our economy, but the world economy is slowing down next year. The IMF, International Monetary Fund, has you know ratcheted down the growth. And we, we're still going to grow, but the, the growth is slowing. Growth slows before it shrinks. So we know we've topped. And at the Fed has been known to raise rates too much going into the next recession. They sometimes stop just before the recession starts, or sometimes we're in a recession and then they start start lowering rates. The Chinese need us a lot more than we need them, but they are very tough negotiators. And it depends on what President Trump, you know, is he going to just agree and not? get real concessions or are you really going to get real concessions from China to make it a, a more uh, a flatter playing field for trade? We don't know that. We don't know that. But those are your headwinds. So the market cannot go up without some headwinds, at least two of the three, and that's the Fed and the trade problems with China. Being in the being in the past, not looking at us in the future, the market has to believe that that those two things are going to be resolved before it can go. And even then, I'm not sure it's going to go much above three thousand on the S and P where it was before. So, those are the problems that we're facing here in 2019. Uh, remember, earn, the reason one of the reasons why I don't think it can go much past three thousand is because earnings, earnings, corporate earnings are slowing and they'll slow sharply this year from last year. That does not bode well for a market that's going to continue rising. Slowing earnings. Remember, stocks are driven by earnings. Essentially, that's what drives them. So when you have these trade issues with China, that hurts earnings. When you have interest rates rising. That hurts corporate earnings. When you have the GDP worldwide slowing down, that hurts corporate earnings. All that. So that's why we have great earnings last year, and this year's comparisons are going to be pretty tough. So, yeah, we probably will have earnings growth, but it's going to be much smaller. That's why. That's why I don't think the market's going to go much up above where it was before. You know, it, it's, you know, it's not rocket science, guys. It's just common sense. Does that mean you don't be in the market? You don't buy them? Of course not. There's going to be some great opportunities. We've seen some pretty good opportunities in some of those big tech stocks, right? I mean, yeah, you're going to have some opportunities. But don't think it's just going to be, okay, I'll buy it and it's going to go up and I'll be happy. No, you're going to buy it. It's going to go up. It's going to come down. It's going to go up. By the end of the year, hopefully you, you made the right decision. That's a, it's going to be a stock picker's market this year, 2019. Anyways, those are those are the, those are the headwinds we have to face, and they have to kind of be behind us before we can go much further. 
This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. Today's program is heading into the finish line, everybody. We've got 10 minutes or so. And remember, please keep our Anytime Listener line open, and it's open always. Keep it in mind so you can call whenever you feel like it. 888-99-CHART is our number. On the next Invest Talk, there are at least four or five key aspects of Amazon.com strategies that excite investors. How Amazon became the world's most valuable public company. That story tomorrow. But now, Steve is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Alex in San Jose. How you doing, Alex? Uh, that's right. Thanks, Steve. Hey, yeah, uh, uh, correct me. The market went down uh, since August, September 2018, about, what, 10%, 12%. Everybody said 20% marks the bear market. Are we? What is your crystal ball? Is this 2019 going to be like the 20% correction on bear market? Well, I don't think it will have a 20% correction. Um, um Remember, we went down about 20%, right, in 2018, as you pointed out. So we're down 20% now. Now we'll probably have a bounce. It may retrace 10% of that. And then I think the, the, the probability, remember, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, Alex, but the probability is we're going to have a retest of the bottom that we made in 2018, in December, you know, last month. We're going to retest that some way, somehow. If we can retest it, then recover and start to move up from there, I think then we're going to test our tops of 2018, which is around 3,000 on the SP. That's what I think is the probable path. But for it to go up to 3,000, we got to have an agreement with China, and we got to have the Fed saying, I'm not going to raise rates anymore. Sometime this year, they got to say that. Sometime this year, that we have to have that agreement, or else it probably will not recover. We'll be flopping around near the bottom where we've been you know, in December. I think if without those two things, we're, we're not going anywhere, Alex. That's my thinking anyways. And of course, I reserve the right to be wrong, but I'm, remember, I have lots of experience. This tells me we're not done. This is going to be a tougher year. Uh, we're going to have a slowdown in earnings. It's just going to be a tough year, Alex. That's what it's going to be. Okay, everybody. Now, there is a stat, a Okay, there is something called the five days of January indicator. That means if the first five days the market is up, if the market is up in the first five days of January, so goes the year. That's what this is. And you might be hearing this come out because, you know, that you, you might be hearing this. Now, going back to 1896, what, we want to know if it's true. Is that true? Well, it actually is. If you, since 1896, at the Dow, you look at the first five-day indicator where it's up five the first five trading days of the year. The market averaged seven point one percent up for that year. Okay, up seven point one percent more from the first five days. What then? Look at all the days where it didn't go up those first five days. The market was up six point six percent. I just want you to know that this is statistically insignificant, but that is, it's true. However, 
If you look just since 1975 to today, just the opposite has been true. <laughs> so like the last 30, 38 years or so, uh, 35 years, 33 years, just the opposite has been true. Where if the market was down the first five days, the, the stock market was up <laughs> for the rest of the year. More than if the market was up the first five days and the market was up. It's just, so that's, it's statistically interesting. Why, why, why am I even bringing this up? I want you to pay attention. If you're watching financial news shows and all those things, they're going to just give you a part of the truth, not the whole truth. Anytime you see on the news, anytime you see on Wall Street, they give you statistics. Try to remember that they can bend those statistics to any way they want to to make it sound whatever way they want to, whatever side they want to discuss. You will notice this when it's a bull market, they always use statistics to tell you how great it is. When it's a bear market, they always use statistics to tell you how bad things are. Why did they do that? Why? Because on TV and in radio, if they're talking about market, they want your attention. They want you to watch. They want you to listen. They're after you as an audience. That's how they make money. Wall Street. Wall Street always wants you to be in the market. They want you to invest. They're always going to convince you, talk, talk to you, and tell you how great things are. Try to listen with a grain of salt everywhere. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes, an, completes another Investop program. And by the way, you can listen to me with a grain of salt as well. And I thank everybody for listening, even with listening with a grain of salt. Have a nice evening, everybody. I'll be back tomorrow. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.